Now for our next keynote speaker, uh, we could easily spend an hour listing his accomplishments. He is who I think of when I hear the term global citizen. He not only started a massive hedge fund himself and ran it for decades, he's also done a massive amount of good all over the world. A child of two educators who met and married in the Peace Corps, Whitney has applied his prodigious talents to issues of education, healthcare, and justice on multiple continents. Recently, he turned his attention toward Ukraine, where people are defending their democracy every day with their lives. Their fight and our fight to save our own American democracy are one and the same. Victory in Ukraine fully depends on our own democracy's survival. Can you imagine what the state of Ukraine would be like right now if Biden were not president? Thank God we don't have to. And victory in Ukraine will send a message to the world that, as Lincoln said at Gettysburg, government of the people, by the people, for the people shall not perish from the earth. Now, meet a man who is helping bring that victory closer. I'm honored to introduce Whitney Tilson. Hey, everybody. Um, this is a little strange. I am at the baggage claim at the Punta Cana airport due to a multi-hour delay, and I was freaking out that I wouldn't even be able to get a connection to join you. Um, so forgive me if there's some background noise. I hope you can all hear me. Um, I just, by the way, posted in the chat my contact information and a link to my Dropbox. Um, the slides I'm going to be presenting here are the first 16 slides of a 51-slide presentation uh, about Ukraine that you know I, I sort of update every day. Um, but I just got back from six days in the country and wanted to share with you um, my, uh, my observations, my takeaway, which I think you will find some of it surprising. So I'm doing a screen share here that I hope you can all see. Um, there is my email address and my cell phone, uh, which I also posted in the chat, but I think it's been buried by a hundred more comments since then, but, but there it is right there. Um, if anyone is interested in following up, um, but, uh, as, as, um, you mentioned, Jason, uh, I've been involved with various, uh, uh, crusades from uh, my first job out of college was helping Wendy Kopp start Teach for America. Uh, my first job out of Harvard Business School was helping uh, Michael Porter start the Initiative for Competitive Inner City. So I've been very involved in school reform, criminal justice reform. In the past year, uh, I've raised $15 million um, for a variety of things in Ukraine. And it's really ramped up in the past month. I've raised $5 million in the past month and delivered 11 ambulances um, 4,000 tourniquets. Um, uh, I can't even, uh, I, I lose track of all the various things that there's so, so many urgent needs there. Um, so, uh, I don't, that's in my 51 slide presentation. What I want to share with you is the big picture sort of political, why I'm optimistic. And in many ways, um, my message about Ukraine mirrors Robert Hubble's message, uh, about the state here in the United States. It's a very optimistic message. Um, don't believe the naysayers. And in fact, the media, I believe, has the story completely wrong. So let me uh, dive through these slides pretty quickly in the short period of time we have. So this was my 1,600-mile journey, uh, all by car. Um, there are no, no planes running in Ukraine right now. Um, uh, I flew into Warsaw, uh, drove um, uh, to Lviv and Kiev, and then the core of my trip, four of the six days I was in country, was in the east, ranging from 50 to six miles from the front lines. 
um, visiting um, uh, a dozen humanitarian organizations, four hospitals, two ambulance centers, a refugee center, a children's art center, et cetera. But I was embedded with the military the entire time. I was escorted by a team of five commandos and an armored vehicle. Um, some of the things I'm doing in Ukraine are helping the military, which actually makes me a potential uh, subject of interest, let's just say, to the Russians. Um, and in fact, my activities there mean the rest of my life, I've been told by a three-star army general, I can never set foot in Ukraine or a country that would extradite, I'm sorry, never set foot in Russia or a country that would extradite to Russia um, because of my activities here. So uh, I can't really talk much about that publicly. I'm just going to talk about uh, publicly, I just talk about the humanitarian stuff. On the side, I'm helping Ukraine win the war because that's the best way to end the humanitarian crisis, of course. So let me talk about sort of big picture, my big takeaways. Pretty much everything you hear in the media is wrong about this war. Morale in Ukraine is extremely high. Ukrainian forces are decimating the Russians every single day with increasingly sophisticated tactics, weaponry, and surveillance equipment. I know this because I saw it with my own eyes six miles from the front line five days ago. Um, every single day, Ukraine is getting a little stronger and Russia is getting a little weaker. Um, everyone knows that Ukraine is going to go on a counteroffensive. Um, it is there. It's up to them, of course, to expel the Russian invaders from their country. Um, it is. I have no particular information about when it will take place, but I know the Ukrainians are itching, just itching to kick these Russian mofos out of their country. Uh, the words they use to describe the Russian invaders um, are very colorful. Let's just say that. Um, I believe that when they do begin the counteroffensive, most likely when the roads, uh, right now it's an absolute mud pit. The entire front line is a, is a cold mud pit. It's virtually impossible to commit. Uh, uh, to go on offense. So Ukraine is just hunkered down. Um, the, the front lines have been very static. Um, and the Ukrainians have just been, you know, as one of my favorite line of the week was from one of the drone pilots is he said, my hobby is killing Russians. This is an absolutely brutal war. Let's not let's be very clear about what has to happen here. The Ukrainians are going to have to militarily destroy every Russian piece of equipment and every Russian soldier on their territory uh, because there is no other circumstances under which Putin, I think, is going to, you know, just retreat and sign a peace, peace treaty. Right. So um, my view is that Ukraine will be successful. It's hard to know when, but I'm increasingly optimistic that their offensive that might come as soon as May or June. Um, will, after a month of bloody fighting, uh, lead to a breakthrough and rapid capitulation of the Russian forces. So why should we care about this? Um, first and foremost, it's a moral imperative, I believe. Um, this was an unprovoked invasion. The Russians on a widespread scale have committed uh, mass atrocities, murder, rape, torture, crimes against humanity, and we should stand up uh, against that. Um, this is what I saw in Dnipro six, uh, seven days ago. Um, the largest city in the eastern part of Ukraine, uh, an errant Russian missile um, struck an apartment building and absolutely obliterated part of it in the middle of an afternoon, killing 46 people, leaving 180 people homeless. Um, much more common is this little town here that I went to visit and spent an hour or two in. Uh, that's me standing in the rubble of a church. Um, this was a town of 7,000 people, a peaceful farming village that had probably been there for a thousand years. Um, and, you know, the Russians and the Ukrainians, it was a battleground last summer, back and forth, switching control. And so, you know, no doubt the church was bombed because Ukrainian soldiers were using it for shelter and fighting. And so the Russians called in an airstrike. Um, 
the if you look in the lower left, it's sort of hard to see, but those are basically homes in rubble. A village of 7,000 people is down to a population of seven people who refuse to leave their village and live in the rubble of their homes. There is not one intact building in the entire town. So putting on my geopolitical hat, I was an international relations major undergrad, worked at the U.S. Embassy in Santiago, Chile in 1988, um, you know, lived and traveled to 77 countries now around the world. Um, from, a, from a geopolitical standpoint, this is a war we must win. Uh, Putin cannot be allowed to have a victory here. Um, if, if it is allowed to stand, kiss NATO goodbye, um, where does Putin attack next? Um, I think it's an open invitation for China to uh, invade Taiwan. And now you're looking at the end of human civilization when uh, uh, a direct confrontation between nuclear powers, right? So uh, it is forget, forget, even if you have no moral heart at all, um, uh, we have to win this on a purely, uh, purely self-interested basis. And by the way, the entire war, the first year of the war, has cost the United States 5% of its uh, military budget, and not one American soldier has, has died on the battlefield. The Ukrainians have borne all the costs here. So um, speaking of that, um, one of the things that inspires me is the Ukrainian people, both the soldiers and the civilians, their courage, their resilience, their spirit. They are fighting for their very existence as a people, um, and that inspires me. So these are pictures from my various visits to various um, uh, uh, refugee center, a, a wonderful organization called TAPS in Dnipro, um, where they have uh, 200 volunteers, uh, 38 volunteers show up um, in, in the refugee center in a, a seventh largest city called Kriveri. Um, 200 volunteers show up at another uh, center in uh, the city of Nebro. And here are pictures of all the things they're doing, uh, making candles that soldiers use, special candles that soldiers use to stay warm in the trenches. Um, the picture in the upper right is sort of a funny one. It's a sewing circle of five women, and they're around a naked mannequin wearing like a fishnet outfit. And you think it's sort of kinky, right? Uh, well, actually, what they're doing is they're sewing threads on it, thousands and thousands of threads that turn it into a camouflage outfit for a Ukrainian sniper, um, either white for the winter or brown for the summer. Um, so uh, the other women down in the lower middle are sewing, are not sewing, they're tying little pieces of fabric, thousands of them to create a camouflage net, right? So the Ukrainian people are all in, uh, in supporting uh, the military effort here to expel the invaders. Um, I also spent half my time visiting military bases, uh, was embedding with a you know, frontline drone unit uh, six miles from the front a week ago. Every, everything I saw convinced me that the Ukrainian military is strong and getting stronger. Um, in other words, they are taking losses on the battlefield, but there is more than being made up by the number of new recruits, volunteers. They don't even have a draft. How many Russians do you think are volunteering to sign up to go to Bakhmut? I think that answer is zero. In Ukraine, hundreds and hundreds of Ukrainian men every single day are volunteering, knowing that they're going to get sent to the meat grinder in Bakhmut because they want to fight for their country and they believe they're winning uh, and they are winning. So why is everything you hear in the media wrong? Well, here is the media narrative. You open the paper every day. Here's the narrative. Number one, it's a war between mighty Russia and little Ukraine and the Ukrainians are just barely hanging on. The Russian missiles are raining down on Ukrainian cities. I'm sure you saw the headlines a week ago. I was in Dnipro when missiles hit there. Um, 
Number three, Russia is inflicting tremendous suffering on the Ukrainian people who are demoralized. Number four, Russian military is inflicting great damage on the Ukrainian military who are running out of ammunition. And number five, Russians are about to capture Bakhmut. Every single one of those statements is totally false in my view. So one, this is not a war between Russia and Ukraine. This is a war between Russia and all of NATO, most importantly, the United States, um, um, who has vastly better technology and deeper resources. The 81 missiles periodically, the Russians are shooting missiles, mostly aiming at knocking out the power. It knocks out the power in major cities in the east for a couple of days. Militarily, it's absolutely ridiculous and useless. Um, the 81 missiles fired last week, they made the front page of the New York Times. Ukraine shot down 34 of them. Russia burned up half of its hypersonic missile storage uh, arsenal. Um, and it killed six uh, unfortunate people. For perspective, 100 Americans die every day in car accidents. Like six is just not a, it's tragic, but it is not a, a material number in any way um, in a country of 44 million people. So this was an act of desperation and weakness in my view. Um, Ukrainian, the biggest shock to me is, is driving around even the cities in the East, um, completely normal. If you were blindfolded and taken there and, and drove around, you would have no idea there was a war going on. The restaurants are open. The trains are running. There is no starvation. Um, every once in a while, the power gets knocked out, takes them a day or two to restore it. Um, but the Ukrainian people, look, the economy is in a recession for sure. Um, the, the cities that have been conquered, like Mariupol um, in the east, are, have been completely devastated. But the, the, uh, the most of Ukraine's major cities were never taken by the Russians and are shockingly normal. Um, the country is united. Corruption is down. Morale is high. The idea that the Ukrainians are somehow about to give up because the lights go out for a couple of days is beyond ludicrous. Um, it just pisses them off um, and makes them more resolute. So far from being demoralized, they hate the Russians with a passion. And there are no it's important to understand there are no circumstances under which the Ukrainians will surrender short of getting back every inch of their territory. Putin can resort to nukes. Um, and it, the Ukrainians will still not surrender. Um, uh, so uh, that, that's mostly good news, but it, you know, it does mean that this war only has one possible ending, uh, Ukrainian victory. Otherwise, they will never stop fighting. So Ukraine, good news is they are winning on the battlefield. With 5% of our uh, uh, military budget, um, the Ukrainians have decimated Russia's uh, conventional forces. An estimate of half of all of Russia's tanks, artillery, missiles, ammunition, trained men um, are, are, are missing. It's not clear that there are any well-trained, well-equipped units anywhere in Ukraine right now. That's why I think uh, one of the reasons why I think when Ukraine goes on the counteroffensive, uh, they, they will be it, they will surprisingly quickly. Um, it'll be brutal and bloody for a couple of weeks. Um, but Russia is losing a thousand men a day, not every single day. And nobody really knows the number. Russia itself doesn't know the exact number, um, but it's roughly doubled in the past couple of months as they've turned uh, as um, the Ukrainians have turned Bakhmut in particular into a charnel house for the Russians. Um, they call the soldiers describe it as a zombie apocalypse. These untrained men often pulled out of prisons, just marching across with no air support, no artillery, no body armor, 
um, into entrenched Ukrainian positions. And so, yeah, they're inflicting some damage on the Ukrainians, but the best um, estimates I've heard, somewhere between the, the casualty and death ratio, somewhere between five and 10 to one in the Ukrainians' favor, because they're dug in and entrenched on their home territory. And um, for some bizarre reason, it makes militarily, it makes no sense whatsoever what the Russians are doing. Now, for perspective, a thousand men a day, well, you're like, okay, Russia has a population of 144 million. Maybe they can keep that up for a while. On the other hand, in 10 years in Afghanistan, Russia lost 15,000 men. They're losing that every two weeks uh, on the front lines in Ukraine. So, uh, and by the way, defending Bakhmut, they're not even using their first line troops. They're saving those up for the counteroffensive, the guys who know how to attack a bunker and so forth. They're putting their relatively new recruits, the territorial defenses, the people who've joined in the past year, who are very quickly becoming hardened soldiers, but it's their second tier troops that the Ukrainians are using to decimate the Russians. So uh, I think time is on Ukraine's side. Ukraine is suffering for sure. Uh, let's not forget about you know, millions of refugees uh, within the country and outside the country and families separated and so forth. But from a military perspective, um, every day Russia's forces are being depleted. And I don't think Russia is able to replace the men and materiel that's being lost. Whereas um, uh, Ukraine's losses are much lower because they're just sitting there playing defense. Um, and every day I saw it in Poland because I came in and out of Poland and you see the person, uh, the big flatbed trucks carrying the tanks, the fight armored fighting vehicles, um, uh, the artillery, et cetera. So um, Ukraine is losing some men and material every day. But I think on a net basis, I cannot prove this, uh, but I have strong reason to believe that on a net basis, Ukraine is getting stronger in terms of men and material every day and Russia is getting weaker. Um, so this town, Bakhmut is a classic example. It's a completely strategically insignificant, uh, small city of 73,000 people. And, uh, Russia has managed to, uh, excuse me, Ukraine has managed to lure Russia and fool Putin into thinking that if he can just capture Bakhmut, the, you know, the Ukrainians will capitulate and he can somehow win this war. And instead the Ukrainians are very cleverly in, in it's a gr great place to play defense and just slaughter Russians. That's what's going on there. Uh, by the way, I don't think they're likely to take uh, Bakhmut. I've heard that some of the initial tanks, like those Leopard 2 tanks you've been reading about, have started arriving. Ukraine is sort of quietly putting them in Bakhmut while, while pleading for more of them. Um, so why is the story wrong here? Why does everybody have the story wrong? Well, in part, if it bleeds, it leads, you know, missiles falling on defenseless citizens all makes good for good headlines. But also it is, in fact, in Ukraine's interest to appear weak. It lures Russia into these doomed attacks um, when uh, when. Ukraine goes on the counteroffensive. It's much better if the narrative is, is that Ukraine has been so weakened, there's no possible way they can commit it, you know, go on, uh, go on the offensive when in fact they're getting stronger every day and are very much ready to go on the offensive. Um, it certainly wins sympathy in the West to be the victim here and they get more support that way. Um, you know, think about pressuring Germany uh, to release those Leopard 2 tanks. Um, yeah, you know, a lot of pressure on Germany to help Ukraine because they're suffering so much and Bakhmut is about to fall. Imagine if the headlines were Ukrainian forces decimating Russians every day, right? Um, so for all of these reasons, you know, the story that you may have seen in the Washington Post a day or two ago about, you know, the terrible losses Ukraine is taking, et cetera, et cetera. I actually think Ukraine planted that story as deliberate misinformation to fake out the Russians into thinking they're on the verge of taking Bakhmut. 
So uh, this is my final slide. My conclusion, the Ukrainian tiger is about to devour the Russian bear. Uh, within a few months, as soon as the roads harden, um, I think Ukraine goes on a major offensive. They have mapped, thanks to our satellite technology, but also drones that I've seen in action, little consumer drones. They have mapped the entire battlefield. They know where every, literally down to the last Russian soldier, they know where they are. They know which bunkers they're in. They, they know where everything is. So it's hard to go on offense. And the Russians still have a lot of men and material. So there, it will be tough fighting. But the Ukrainians will have the advantage of um, be, getting stronger and stronger. A lot of our material, they're fighting on their home. Uh, they're fighting on their home, home court, fighting for their country. So there's a massive difference in motivation. Uh, but also they have perfect information about where the enemy is, right? So I, I predict uh, some some hard fighting, and we're gonna and we need to help Ukraine now. That's one of the reasons why I've delivered 11 ambulances, and I have 16 more on the way. They don't need them right now, desperately. They definitely can use them, uh, but but they're going to need all the tourniquets and ambulances and so forth um, because to take back their country, Ukraine's going to have to uh, going to have to. There's going to be a lot of losses, much heavier losses on the Russian side, no doubt, but. Um, uh, but on the Ukraine side as well. Uh, but they, Ukraine, it doesn't matter to them. They will pay any price to uh, kick the Russians out and take back their country. So um, that is uh, my presentation. I hope I got that in under 15 minutes. And um, again, I'll, I'll post in the chat um, both my contact information and a link to the full slide deck uh, for anyone who's interested. Whitney, I, I cannot tell you how moving that is that you are uh, broadcasting from the baggage claim. Uh, you were actually in country just six days ago or, or whatever that was. Um, I, I really do think that uh, that you are helping save democracy in Ukraine. Um, it's the parallels to what you are doing there uh, and what everyone who's supporting what you're doing is doing there and what Field Team 6 is trying to do here by protecting democracy uh, in the U.S., they are aligned. Um, I'm very grateful for you. I'm very grateful to Dr. Carol Maxim for introducing us to you and for inviting you to uh, participate in today's summit. Um, please stay safe. Um, and uh, we've been sharing your contact information as you've been going through that that's, uh, slide deck. So uh, people should have your contact information in the, in the chat. Yeah, I just posted it again, by the way. And actually, there's one final point I wanted to make, which is the greatest risk Ukraine, Ukraine faces right now is a bunch of idiots like DeSantis saying this is just a territorial dispute, as usual. Um, not the to their credit, most of the Republican Party is still on board, but it's really Democrats who are leading on this. And the and look, if Ukraine were to suddenly lose the support of the U.S., um, that would be catastrophic for them. Um, they wouldn't lose the war, but it would prolong it by years. Um, and so, when DeSantis came out with that comment, um, which sadly reflects in the idiot fringe of the Republican Party, which isn't, uh, I'm not sure it's the fringe. Maybe it's the core these days. Um, that's that's something um, you know we all need to fight against. Agreed. 100%. Yes. And uh, and we think that registering more Democrats will make sure that the, the, the democracy prevails here at home and can continue supporting Ukraine for as long as need be, as Biden says. Um, with that, I'm going to turn it over to Jason. Uh, Jason Berlin, founder of Field Team 6. Yes. Thank you so much, Whitney. Thank you, Dr. Carol Maxim, for introducing us. 
and uh and Whitney, I think you 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 downplayed um your role there, but but just just to shine a light on it again, um you were able to uh, secure investment that that basically bought a fleet of ambulances and I mean uh, among other among other things. And and yes, that is that's in a in a in a different way. Those ambulance that's what that's what our voter drives try to be are the ambulances for democracy and you know create uh create the 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 voters you know em- empower the new democratic voters that uh that will keep democracy going across the world this work has global ramifications thank you so much for what you do and and this amazing uplifting news that we could not get from literally any other place my pleasure